ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Berg. We are in full swing on the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast, and my better half co-host is back in the saddle. Scotty, welcome back, buddy. Good to be back. Uh, you, you did it right without me. You didn't miss the show. Didn't miss a beat. We're good to go. It was uh, nice, nice to get away for a little bit, a couple days down the shore, and we got that upcoming one more time each in the next couple weeks, and then after that, we'll be... Uh, Full full steam ahead with the uh, podcast with both of us going at it, but it was nice to get away. Good weather down the shore, except for, of course, Friday morning when uh, we decided to go golfing, and uh, by hole five, we were in a torrential downpour. You're in a torrential downpour, and when you're not here, I put Rex Burkhead in my top five running backs. <laughs> yeah, I was afraid I was afraid we'd lose some followers on the show if we heard that and saw Podcasting that. Podcasting gone wild. The, the Twitter handle stayed okay. We didn't lose that too many followers on that. So, you know, listen, yeah, that's something we'll tackle later on. You, 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 you like you like to step outside the box and uh, test the test the waters, and uh, that's uh, definitely um, pressing the limit. I would say putting Rex Burkhead in the top five, but hey. If you get it right, you look like a genius, and if you get it wrong, you look like you normally do. Call me the Dave Kingman of Fantasy Football Podcast, Scotty. We're going to swing for the fences, either to strike out or it's a home run, huh? There you go. Speaking of uh, what we're looking at here in Fantasy Football, you know, I noticed on Twitter your boy Warren Sharp, Sharp put out his 2018 football preview. Oh, it's and incredible. And I'm curious what you were thinking about that. Oh, my God. I put out that, that picture. I got home from the shore, right? So we saw each other down there, had a great time. I got home from the shore, and you saw I, put, I had the cooler. I still had the cooler of beverages on my front lawn, okay? So my wife takes the kids to the pool. They go to the the, uh, the town pool, and I'm hanging out. I got a half hour, so I pull this out, folks. If you have not gotten this book, you got to get it. Warren Sharp on Twitter at Sharp Football, or go to his website SharpFootballAnalysis.com. Warren Sharp is a guy, Scott, who basically owned Vegas. He moves lines when he puts out his opinions on games in the middle of the season. And check this out. I'm just going to read you a quick excerpt here from this this football preview. It goes through every team. It's a must-buy. Last October 23rd, I released my largest NFL recommendation of the year. It was over 43 points on the Texans-Seahawks game on October 29th. Within seconds on the 23rd, six days earlier, offshore books like Pinnacle adjusted their juice based on what I said. Within one minute of me announcing that I my thought on this game was over 43, Pinnacle moved their total to 43 and a half. Within two minutes, they then went to 44. Within four minutes, they went to 45. My recommendations move lines. It happens within a second of the release. I earn the respect of line makers by proving myself with a 60.5% hit rate on NFL totals over the last 12 years. His last four seasons, his win rates on NFL totals, 61%, 68%, 65%, and 62%. If you remember, Scott, that Texans-Seahawk game, first drive, Texans go 75 yards and five plays, score touchdown. The inline game moved to 50 and a half right off of that. The Seahawks then answered with a 78-yard pick six touchdown. 14 points in the first five minutes. Final score, 41-38 Seattle. How is that, huh? Oh, man. That's an interesting fact right there that he's able to his, – his numbers and his predictions alter lines that quickly. And uh, you know, that, that's a pretty good success rate. It means I'll have to uh, – Follow his uh, models uh, as we get to the football season this year with the sports book legal here in uh, it's legal. Our, our state that we are now uh, in. And- Scott, we'll get to the first quarter. Two seconds. Just imagine that you and I do some bets. 
We pick over 43 in the first five minutes. It's, it's 14 points. I mean, could you, could you get it any better than that? I'm not like, uh, absolutely not. No, I have seen plenty of times when it's happened like that. All of a sudden the team's going to a low and nothing happens. But that's, you know, when, when you're playing it over and you got a number of 43, you want to see, uh, 14 in five minutes is a hell of a start. And, uh, his success rate, fantastic uh, over over the past 12 years, like you said. So this is definitely someone you want to follow, especially if you're playing those over-unders and, uh, you know, with the sports book. Love Warren Sharp. There's the whistle. First quarter, news and notes. So here we go, Scotty. Give me a reaction to this. Not a ton of stuff going on over the last few days, but certainly stuff worth talking about, especially topic number two. But let's start with the first one. Cardinals reporter Mike Jarecki says Ricky Seals-Jones is going to be Arizona's breakout offensive player in 2018. He should open as the number one tight end in the desert. Thoughts on Ricky Seals Jones, Scott? I think that's like a safe call on, you know, breakout candidate. I mean, where else are you going to go? I mean, you could pick one of the rookie wide receivers, but that's a stretch that they're going to break out, put up monster numbers. There is no Jermaine Gresham. He's got an injury. He's not going to be around early on. So it's going to give Ricky Seals Jones a chance to, you know, really step forward in the offense and take on a bigger role. You know, Fantasy Pros projects him as, what, number 25 right now in the tight ends. There are some guys that put him as high as number nine. I think the quarterback situation will be telling there. I mean, can Sam Bradford stay healthy? If not, can Josh Rosen, if you're playing, get him involved? But I think it's a safe call to make him the breakout candidate on that offense because David Johnson's already there, Fitzgerald's there. And, you know, if you take one of those rookie, rookie wide receivers, we know in the past most of them don't really perform in that year one. So, Safe call. He's got a chance maybe for a 50-55 catch season. Undrafted free agent from Texas A&M. He was 6'5", 243 pounds. Last year, Scott, I remember you were joking about this with me on text. Week 11 and week 12. He had two touchdowns against Houston in week 11. He was the tight end one in week 11. Week 12 came back, four receptions, 72 yards, and a touchdown tight end five. So he showed potential. If he starts in your hashtag late round tight end, maybe worth a look. Speaking of worth work, uh, worth a look, the Pittsburgh Tribune reports that Le'Veon Bell will be holding out of training camp if he doesn't get a new deal before the July 16 extension deadline. It would be Bell's second straight holdout after not reporting until September of last year. He didn't attend off-season workouts, and he doesn't sign the franchise tender. The Steelers haven't come close to the $17 million he wants. Bell will make 14 and a half for one year if he plays under the tag. Talk to me, Goose. Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. You know, we've seen it last year. He's going to play. But as well, he'll be there week one. He's going to play. It didn't really affect him much last season. Maybe he'll be rusty for week one or two. But he'll be able to He'll put up his typical numbers as long as he stays healthy. Um, I, th- I still think they might be able to get this deal done in time. I, I mean, I think he's going to be open to the fact that he's not going to get $17 million a year. I just don't see it happening. So he'll have to get a little bit lower. They'll, they'll meet somewhere in the middle, try and come up with a, a number that works. If not, he'll sign the tag. And then most likely, if he does sign the tag, most likely he'll walk next year. Now, that's just the way I look at that. If he doesn't sign a long-term deal, he'll take the tag, and then that, that'll be it. He'll look to find a, another place to go. I don't think he'll get that $17, 18000000 million he's looking for on the open market either. So... The holdout doesn't worry me. He'll play. He'll be there week one. Like I said, maybe a slow start week one or two, but that's about it. How about Jerome Bettis telling him, hey, Le'Veon, you're not going to be as good going somewhere else. Look at Jerome Bettis chiming in. Nice job there by the bus. Now, Jerome understands that the situation he's in, much much about what you talk about you know, over the past few years, that 
Yeah, you were always under the belief that any running back could succeed in Pittsburgh. You know, you were a big D'Angelo Williams guy. Love D. Willie, baby. You, you, Player of the week, be D. Willie. You'd probably be a monster James Conner guy if he got a Huge shot. James, James Samuels. Oh, Jalen Samuels. I think, I think even at one point in time you said Fitzgerald Toussaint Love it. looks great. successful I in this conference. I, I test so, on Fitzgerald Toussaint. So, listen, I mean, listen, we, we know how good the offense is when they're clicking and they have all the pieces around him. So, he's in a perfect situation to utilize the skills. Yeah, would he be this successful in, I don't know, Detroit or Houston? I'm not too sure. Alfred Ballou is expected to open the season as Houston's number three back. The only reason I put this in is I don't think Dante Foreman's going to be ready. So if he's opening the season as the number three back, is he behind Tyler Irvin? Uh, well, I guess. I mean, I guess it must really be a slow week in news if Alfred Blue's making the news and notes. I mean, is it really relevant? You know, Lamar, you Miller's got, Lamar Miller's got to go down. Tyler Irvin's got to go down. Deontay Foreman can't play before Alfred Blue gets some touches in this offense. Scott, I'll tell you what's relevant. If Donta Foreman was healthy, he would be the starting running back week one. You could take that to the bank. What happened to the Lamar Miller love? What, what happened? No, what no because, he's, because he's not healthy, that's why I like Lamar Miller. I don't think Donta Foreman's going to be ready at least till week four, week six of the season. If Donta Foreman was healthy, he would be the starting running back. But because he's not, I like Houston. I like Deshaun Watson. He's running the offense, the whole thing, weak division, blah, 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 blah. So I like Lamar Miller. That's why. But if Foreman was healthy, he's the man here, no doubt. Oh, here's one for you. Hashtag Gilly gonna eat. Mike Gillisley reported to spring work at 216 pounds after playing last year at 212. It was a planned addition of pounds as Gillisley is more muscular, <coughs> steroids, and feeling healthier. <laughs> healthier after battling hamstring issues multiple times last year during training camp. He's competing with Jeremy Hill for the big back job in New England. I'm not buying that. I still think it's Burkhead. And running backs coach Ivan Fears says Gillisley should get first crack. Only one of them is going to make the team. Scott, thoughts? I don't think it's any relevancy <laughs> until the three, get three guys ahead of him all fumble and then he gets a chance week seven. Uh, you know, Gilly gonna eat. I guess he ate. You know, as far as the uh, muscular, was he hanging? Was he hanging out with bicep bicep, bicep bottom? Not sure. So you know, but they can't figure out why the bicep bicep is so big. They just can't. They can't understand it. Uh, again, this is another one of those guys. I just I just don't think it's relevant. Um, you know, Burkhead is there. You're a big Burkhead guy. I think James White plays a factor in this offense, and they drafted Sony Michelle. So I mean, we're talking about right now fourth. You know, guys battling for fourth string. Maybe an occasional goal line carry here or there. A lot of injuries would have to happen for these guys to make an impact. So really, at, at this point in time, and it's not too much relevancy for Mike Gillisley. Deep down, how much would you enjoy it if after I tout Rex Burkhead, Mike Gillisley starts the year just as the goal line back and has like six touchdowns in three Sure. Years? I mean, especially after the, the hashtag Gilly Gonna Eat movement that we had last year. We almost had T-shirts. T-shirts printed after, you know, two weeks of him. Three touchdowns a in week touchdowns. one. Three touchdowns in week one. I was out of control. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you, you, you absolutely were. only thing that would have been worse is if Randall Cobb had scored three touchdowns. Corn on the Cobb t-shirts would have made him pack of green and gold. Hey, Geronimo. All right, last one. Terry McCormick of Tennessee suggests that Derrick Henry, I am shocked by this. He will lead the team in carries this season. Really? Really? He <laughs> said it's not out of the question that Henry could lead in rushing attempts, however, could still finish with fewer all-purpose yards than Deion Lewis. That's insane. The 247-pound Henry profiles as Tennessee's short yardage and goal line back, while Lewis will get work on the passing downs. Both players are around RB2s right now. Yeah, I mean, we. this is one of those dead horses that we've beaten the hell out of on this podcast. We're both in agreement. Derrick Henry is 
not only going to lead the team in carries, going to lead the team in fantasy points. He's going to be the clear number one back on this team, and I think he finishes at RB1. So Deion Lewis will get get his action. He'll get some third down looks. But as long as Derrick Henry's healthy, I think he takes the next step, shows he can carry the load, and he's you know he's the he's the guy to own here. I mean, of course, you, if you draft Henry, you want to take Lewis as a as a handcuff, or you're going to try to team backfield draft. Fine, do do, do that if you want, but. Yeah, we, we've talked about this in nauseam. Derrick Henry's our guy. One last thing, Scott. I put this on Twitter about a day ago. I just want to drive the point home. When I got this from Rotoviz. When the Titans, Derrick Henry, has greater than 10 rushing attempts, just greater than 10 rushing attempts, he averages 12.5 PPR fantasy points and 11.5 standard fantasy points per game. If you take those numbers and multiply it by 16 in last year, that's an RB13 in PPR and an RB9 in standard. And that's with DeMarco Murray having 477 rushing attempts over those two seasons. So give Deion Lewis 300 rushing attempts over two years, which, by the way, I think is fairly generous. He still has over 100 left for him. His current ADP right now is RB18 in PPR and RB17 in standard. That is fantasy larceny. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, he's projected well. He's done well in the time he's you know, gotten a chance to run. No DeMarco Murray there. The 450 carries or whatever it might be are gone. Deion Lewis is not getting anywhere close to that amount. So, again, it's more for Derrick Henry. As long as he's healthy, Derrick Henry is going to take this job and run with it. There's the whistle. Second quarter. Uh, partner, I want to get your reaction. Now, just to give a quick summary in case somebody didn't hear the last podcast, I basically had an epiphany while we were there on the beach and uh, your beautiful daughter was there enjoying the water and my kids were out of control as normal. Uh, and I'm sitting there saying – why are we being so chalky? I just felt like I was too chalky. Yeah, Gurley, Elliot, Johnson, Bell, Bell, Johnson, Gurley, Elliot. Everyone rates the top four the same way. So I went back and I said, let me look at the last five years, hypothetically. And just to run it down very quickly, in 2013, it went Charles Forte, McCoy, Moreno, and Lynch. That was ADP. No Sean Moreno. That, no Sean Moreno. That was – Charles was – as ADP was two that year. Matt Forte was the 11th running back taken. McCoy was eighth. Moreno was 49th. And Lynch was seventh. Continuing on, 2014, Lev Bell, DeMarco Murray, Forte again, Lynch and Foster. Their ADPs respectively, 14, 7, 3, 8, and 12. 2015, that was the Devonta Freeman year. He was the 40th running back as per ADP, and he finished number one overall in PPR leagues. AP was first. Woodhead, Danny Woodhead was third. He was the 30th running back selected. D'Angelo Williams was 49th. Doug Martin, 17th. 2016 was the most conservative year I've seen in a long time. It went DJ Elliott, Bell, McCoy, and Murray. That's 1, 3, 6, 9, and 15 as per their ADPs. And last year, Todd Gurley, people were down on him, was 11th. He finished as the first one. Le'Veon Bell held his spot at 2. Kamara, 52nd, of course. The rookie exploded. Kareem Hunt, the whole thing with Spencer Ware. He was 10th. Melvin Gordon, 6th. So in summary, I basically said there is no way that you can put one, two, three, four, one, four, three, two, one, five, two, three. It's not going to happen. So I changed my rankings. I now have Elliot one, and I'm going to pick him tomorrow in Scott Fishbowl. Money where my mouth is. I already tweeted out. He's already in my queue. Melvin Gordon, I put second. Leonard Fournette, third. Gurley, fourth. And Rex Burkhead, fifth. Two things. Thoughts on my five and thoughts on the idea that we're probably making a mistake by just listing the top four guys because it never happens. You're right. It, it doesn't happen. Somebody's bound to get hurt. Someone's bound to have a bad year. It, it, it just it, it seems to always work that way. Listen, as far as your updated top five, 
I, I agree with you on Leonard Fournette. I, I am big on Leonard Fournette. At this time, he'd probably be in my top five if I were to give you an updated ranking as well. I, I think Fournette being the only game in town in Jacksonville with a quarterback who's still very suspect and going to make mistakes. They're going to continue to ride Fournette, who's expected to get an increase in touches and just be even better than he was last year. So I'm a Fournette guy. Melvin Gordon, you have a love for Melvin Gordon. Look, he is the only game in town. Touches will be there. You know, if he gets his yard per carry up and he continues to score touchdowns, he's got a chance to crack that top five. Burkhead, listen, hey, I know you like Burkhead, and he's going to get cracked. So I think it'll be a reach for him to make the top five. I mean, maybe you could go elsewhere with a couple other guys, maybe make a top five. Hey, why not Derrick Henry could crack the top five? I and thought about it. Very good. Very good. You know I what? thought about so it. So that could be someone you could can crack the top five and look. And, you know, there's, there's other guys there as well. I mean, you know I'm high on a Duke Johnson. Top five maybe a reach, but in the PPR league, he's definitely going to make an impact. Jordan Howard, I think, could have a bounce back year, a big year. Yep, you being the lead guy with the Bears, so that's another guy you could target. You know, even even an older LaShawn McCoy, who's now as a 14 target, being really the main guy in Buffalo still. There's just diff- different ways you could look if you're trying to break up that top five. Uh, Burkhead, again, is a reach for me. Elliot, I, I'm with you, is going to be there top five may not be number one for me but definitely top five girl he should be there and I, i'm big on fournette this year I, I like leonard fournette a lot and i him cracking the top five is without question not not a uh, not a crazy possibility by any stretch a couple things I, I about that i put this out on twitter and i talked about when we were down the shore the buffalo bills first half schedule is absolute murder now the reason that's relevant is does that play into what you just said let me read them off Maybe McCoy is the way to go because maybe he gets a lot of cheap touchdowns and catches out of the backfield. They open at Baltimore, home to the Chargers, at Minnesota, at Green Bay, home Tennessee, at Houston, at Indianapolis, home New England. That is a brutal start. I think at best partner, they're one in seven, but I think they'll be trailing in almost all of those games. So my question is, if you agree that they're trailing, What's the play? Is the play McCoy or is the play to go after Kelvin Benjamin, who's like wide receiver 50 right now? I was talking to Anthony Amico on Twitter today about it. How do you how do you work that schedule and your thoughts on the Bills into this? Does McCoy go up or down? Yeah, no, for me, McCoy goes up. I mean, listen, he, he's he's now 30 years old. So he's in that as a running back where people get afraid now. They see the number 30. And in most running backs, the shelf life starts, you know, it doesn't even get past 30. So he's still there. He's still extremely productive. But the age could scare some people off. And like you said, that first half of the schedule is brutal. But when you get to that second half and you get to those playoff weeks, let's just take week 15 and week 16. The Lions matchup rating for him is the best matchup rating he's going to have all year long. It's a defense that was number two, second worst against running backs, fantasy running backs, right? Mm -hmm. And then week 16 at New England in the game, most likely they're going to be trailing. And you know McCoy is going to get a ton of dump offs. Going to get a ton of passes out of the backfield. He'll probably get a touchdown. He'll probably catch nine passes combined 150, 160 total yards. So you're looking at two key matchups in week 15 and 16 when it counts the most. In that stretch, he also gets the Dolphins in week 13. Not good against the run. The Jets middle of the road. Jets again. Jacksonville, who's a little better for sure, and the Bears. But that week 13 through week 16 stretch, if you're in contention and Sean McCoy is on your team and the Bills are going to be bad like we think they will be, that's, I mean, that's a pretty nice four-game stretch at Miami, home Jets, home home Lions, at New England. I know the Patriots will win that game most likely big time, but that's, 
That's a garbage time. That's a Blake Bortles situation right there. You know, if you look at a guy like Sean McCoy, he'll put up numbers late. And again, I think the age will scare people off. He's 14th right now overall in PPR for fantasy as as a running back. Um, That's good value there, I think. He's still shown he hasn't really lost much of a step. I mean, let's not forget the snow game last year. He's run all over the place in the snow. Mm So that's a that's a prime spot for a guy like McCoy. He's going behind McKinnon. He's going behind McCaffrey. You know, he's going right with Freeman and Howard. So LaShawn McCoy is a is going to be a sneaky value. Will he crack top five? Maybe, maybe not. But he's a candidate that could break up the uh, chalk fest up top. You talked about uh, Blake Bortles. Let's go to Jacksonville. So last year, Warren Sharp pegged them as having the easiest schedule. Remember, they do the schedule. Warren Sharp incorporates defense, uh, free agents, uh, what he projects to be easy and hard. He just doesn't take the winning percentage because too many things change. Coach's style, the whole thing. So he had Jacksonville's easiest schedule last year. Certainly that paid off. He said it was going to be positive game script and Leonard Fournette benefited. This year, partner, he has Jacksonville as the fourth easiest schedule. He says it really divides at their, their week nine bye. He says that the first, uh, after, before week nine, they have the 12th hardest schedule. So first half of the year, he says they have a very difficult schedule. They play New England on the road. They play the Giants on the road to start the year. Then New England at home, Tennessee at home, Jets at home. Three home games in a row. Then they got to go to, they got to go to Kansas City. They have to go to Dallas. They host Houston and they host Philly. So they get the Patriots and Philly, both Super Bowl teams in the first half. But after that, he says it's a bit of a cakewalk at Indy. Home Pittsburgh will be tough at Buffalo, home Indy. So he gets Indy twice there, second half at Tennessee, home Washington at Miami and then Houston to end the year. So, if you think that Fournette can just stay healthy, I don't see the game script changing for Jacksonville, and I think he's getting that ball. What, he's scoring like six straight games to start the year last year? Uh, this is one of the many reasons why I'm high on Fournette. You know, the, the first part of that schedule is, I won't say extremely difficult, but it won't be an easy be way, easy, for, easy yeah. sledding. Yeah. No, but like you broke down after the bye, at the Colts, on the turf, that should be okay. Mm-hmm. Versus Pittsburgh, Sunday night game, who knows how that goes, but that'll be – That'll be good for him as well. He'll they're get home. his touches. He, At least they're home. And, they're home, yeah. And he ran well against them last year. So we know what he did in the playoff game and in the regular season game. At Buffalo, worst against the run last year. The Colts, like you said. And then that the toughest game during that second half stretch is at Tennessee. But that's on a Thursday night. And what was the biggest motto we had mm-hmm. last year? Mm-hmm. Crazy things happen yeah. on a Thursday night. Yeah. Then after that, you get Washington Miami. So oh, yeah. Fournette is prime for a monster second half. One of the many reasons why I've pegged him where I have, and I like him, and it makes total sense why you put him in the top five. And he's just in a perfect situation. He does not have a fantastic quarterback. So he is going to be the offense, the focal point of this offense. And the schedule dictates that he has a chance for a very, very big fantasy year. And right now he's going, what, is he going 9-10 right now in most leagues? It's 9-10 running back. I mean, uh, yeah, there's some benefit some to in the back end of that first round. We, we talked about that. But he had 48 targets last year. He played 13 games. He had 48 targets. That was top 20 among running backs. He had a, over 1,000 rushing yards. That was eighth receiving yards. He had 302. That was 21st. He had 36 receptions. That was a little bit outside the top 20. He is a workhorse back for them, and he did it all down at LSU. So I'm with you. I like Leonard Fournette. You know, I have the, the first pick in Scott Fish tomorrow, but if I get that back end pick in your league again, maybe I won't be whining this year. <laughs> no, you might not be. Well, that's a little foreshadowing for later on in the show. Absolutely. Whistle coming on, third quarter. So we have a three-pack of picks. We're going to call these five three-packs, and we got picks. So what I'm going to give Scott here is I'm going to give you three players, and I want to know – 
top of your head, now you can say PPR one guy, standard another guy, however you want to do it. Tell me who you are highest on, who you think out of each of these groups of three will finish higher at the end of the year in total fantasy points. And then we'll flip it and Scott will give me five. You ready, partner? Let's go. First one, which second tier running back will finish the highest? So it's like a second tier. So not that upper elite level group there, that Le'Veon Bell, DJ, Zeke, Gurley, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Halvin, Gordon. Well, we just answered this question, so I'll answer it again. Leonard Fournette. You think uh, in both, PPR and standard? I do. I do. I do do think Leonard Fournette will be both. Kareem Hunt's a a, uh, regression candidate. Melvin Gordon, his yards per carry is something they worry about. The touchdowns will be there. But, you know, if if he's running 300 times and barely cracking 1,000 yards, it's a struggle for me. I think Fournette is just too much – too too much the focal point of this Jacksonville offense, and I like him in both formats. So I'll take four out of those three. Gordon or Hunt? Tough, huh? Ooh, Tough. Do, 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 yeah. do, 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 do. If I rank them, it's Fournette, it is Gordon, and then it's Hunt. Interesting. It's very interesting. Second, which of these timeshare right now? These running backs, these three running backs, are considered timeshare running backs, so they're not the three down back for their team. Which do you think is going to finish the highest? Carry on Johnson in Detroit, your guy Duke Johnson in Cleveland, or Ronald Jones down in Tampa? Duke Johnson, again, answered this one probably in previous episodes, but it's Duke Johnson for me. I like Carry on Johnson. I think he has a shot to really make an impact. I mean, that line backfield's always been very hard to, dif- yeah. uh, very difficult to handicap, and no one's really produced, so he'll get a crack here to maybe take a step forward and improve the line backfield. Ronald Jones, rookie as well in Tampa. No Jameis Winston for four weeks, so we'll see how that plays out with him, Peyton Barber, Charles Sims, and so forth. But for me, uh, Duke Johnson, uh, definitely PPR. When it comes to standard, I'm going to still lean Duke Johnson. but give Kerryon Johnson be right there with him in standard leagues. Which of the late-round tight ends do you like the best? And this one is bothering me because I feel like I have a decision. We'll talk about in the fourth quarter, Scott Fishbowl, whether I should take two tight ends or not with my second, third pick if they're bo- if both the Ertz-Kelsey pack is available. But assuming that I go late-round tight end, which I like to, which one would you advise me to take? Ben Watson, Jared Cook, or O.J. Howard? Well, I don't think you're going to like the answer, but I'm going to take Jared Cook. I think wow. Derek, Derek, Carr, wow. Derek Carr will have himself – a bounce back season in Oakland. He's got some new toys to play with. And Jared wow. Cook has been very, very efficient. And he's, he was actually a, a very good contributor in that offense last year. Ben Watson, he had some plays. Made some, you know, we, we all know about Ben Watson with you at this point in time. And then OJ Howard, again, no Winston now for four weeks. And he still has Cameron Brait there. I mean, Howard's ability is there. He's a talented wide receiver, but he does have some competition. There's really nothing there for Jared Cook to deal with, nor Watson. But for me, it's Jared Cook. Really quick on this one. That's an interesting answer. You know, Jared Cook, with all the Derek Carr issues last year, finished ninth among tight ends with 86 targets. I do. And with Martavis, and if Martavis Bryant is out, and I still believe it is, if he's gone, it's Jordy Nelson and Jared Cook, right? Unless you're a big Seth Roberts guy. So, I, I mean, yeah, that, that's well, a reasonable yeah. answer. I have no problem with that answer. Absolutely. Well, of course, you got your boy Amari Cooper as well, but you, you know that. I know you're not a big Jared Cook guy, but I think the offense, it's a good situation for him to be in. He is efficient. He's not someone that's going to hurt you. So for me, I think that's just that, – that, that, out of those three, if, if Cameron Brait wasn't there for Tampa Bay, I'd probably lead O.J. Howard. But And I think Howard will be the number one guy in Tampa. But Cameron Brait's still going to get 30 to 35 catches. 
And that takes away, especially in a tight end position, that takes away some value. Which of these wide receiver twos on their respective team will have the best season? So all three of these guys are not the lead dog, but they're wide receiver twos. Which is going to have the best season? PPR standard, both. Give them whatever you want. Sammy Watkins on the Chiefs. Emmanuel Sanders in Denver or Sterling Shepard in the in New York Giants. This was a tough one. Um, you know, a big part of me would love to say Emmanuel Sanders. I'm just not convinced we're going to see Case Keenum that we saw last year. So for me, that's 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 tough there. Uh, I do like I think Demarius Thomas is going to take a little bit of a step back. So Sanders, if healthy, can can put up some numbers. But he's also battled injuries the past couple of years, so it's something you worry about. Sammy Watkins has been too too inconsistent, whether it was in Buffalo or in uh, Los Angeles with the Rams. So it brings me to Sterling Shepard, and it's come to that argument that you know not everybody can produce um, in that giant offense. And I think Shepard is the biggest beneficiary of Beckham being back, um, teams having to at least prepare for Saquon Barkley and then Evan Ingram being there. I think Shepard is the guy who's going to have room to work with on the on the field, have a chance to really make an, a big-time impact in his second season. Uh, so for me, or third season for Shepard, for me – it's going to be Sterling Shepard out of these three. I think you like Shepard. You talked about him a couple of times. I feel like that's a guy that I could snag from you in some of our drafts. I feel like he's a, he's a sure. late round uh, guy for you. Last one for me. Which double-digit round QB do you like the best? So all three of these guys, as per Fantasy Football Calculator, are going round 10 or later. Which one of these guys have the best season? Pat Mahomes in Kansas City, Derek Carr for the Raiders, or Dak Prescott in Dallas? Another one I thought about for a little bit. I'm going to lean Derek Carr. I think I answered that with the Jared Cook question. Never really been a huge Dak Prescott guy. I think we've, we've said that on this show. Um, they're all going right around each other. Mahomes is 17, Prescott 19, and Carr 20, all in PPR leagues. Carr's got more weapons. Uh, we don't know. You know, I, I'm an Allen Hearns guy. I think Allen Hearns can take a nice step forward in, in Dallas, taking on that number one role. I'm not going to say he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver, but I think he'll be productive. But no Jason Witten. We know Elliott's going to have to be the focal point in Dallas. So with the lack of skill position plays around Prescott, I think it's going to be tough for him. And then Mahomes, you know, he's got the big arm. Yeah, he's got weapons, but we, we we just don't know if he, you know, will he have a Mitch Trubisky-esque season like last year when Trubisky finally got to play? Are we guaranteed that he's just going to be a home run out of the, out of the gate? We, we don't know that. So this may be just a safe pick, but with the weapons Derek Carr has around him and at the receiving position especially, I think Derek Carr, healthy, will be the better of the three. You know, I'm working on an article for Last Word on Sports, and I put this out there. The combined averages in their first full season as quarterbacks for Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Andrew Luck. So, Scott, I picked uh, three Hall of Famers, and one, if he stays healthy, probably is a Hall of Famer also. 59% completion percentage, 3,748 passing yards, 23.7 touchdowns, 17.7 interceptions. That translates to last year's QB12. If you think Pat Mahomes is coming in and having just as good first year as Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Andrew Luck, you are out of your mind. So whatever answer you gave me, I just didn't want to hear Pat Mahomes. I think people are way too high on him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. And again, it's a, it's not, he's not a rookie quarterback. Obviously, he was drafted last year. But basically, you can look at him as a rookie. He's taken over an offense on a team that made the playoffs a few years in a row. Alex Smith was a completely different type of quarterback. Sure, he's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Kareem Hunt, Sammy Watkins, so forth. But we just don't know how he's going to adapt. That's a tough place to play in Kansas City. So, you know, for me, it's just you can't take him over a guy like Carr who has got a 
decent you know track record proven what he can do and Prescott as well I'm with you people are too high on Mahomes and in this scenario Derek Carr is the guy for me all right Mike I got five for you as well three of them are going to lead you to probably most fantasy points or who you're going to take and the other two are going to be a little bit different than fantasy points at best overall so first one for me for you is going to be which sophomore wide receiver will have the better year this year in 2018 Juju Smith-Schuster Corey Davis Cooper Cup. This is a great question. Corey Davis is out. I'm not buying Corey Davis. For short, Matthews is there. I'm a Taewon Taylor truther. So he's out. It's either Juju or Cooper Cup. I love Juju. If Taylor was still there and all was consistent, I'd go Juju. You know, Antonio Brown's still number one. I think Brandon Cooks is a fake wide receiver one. So that's what makes me say Cooper Cup. I like Juju a lot. It and listen, had the 7-193 and a touchdown against Detroit. He had the 5-97-1 against Indianapolis. You know, but then he had 30 yards, 39 yards, 47 yards, 17 yards. And he had 114 against New England. It's a little up and down for me. I want to see the new coordinator. I don't know what's going to happen there. I think it's very, very close, but I will trust the red zone prowess of Cooper Cup over Juju Smith-Schuster. So even the report from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, who says that Juju Smith-Schuster is expected to be a bigger part of this team's offense and even see a more increased uh, target share, uh, wouldn't sway you to take him over? I, I think Cup? I like Juju also. I, I, I like both. I'm flipping a coin here. I I, okay. think I I flipping a coin. I, I agree with all that. I think Vance McDonald's going to take a little more receptions than people think. I don't think Jared Everett – it comes down to this. I don't think Gerald Everett is taking anywhere near what Vance McDonald is, and I don't think that Brandon Cooks is taking anywhere near what Antonio Brown is. So given those two facts, I'll take up. Number two, which no-respect quarterback – so quarterbacks that get often overlooked, drafted extremely late, but consistently produce, would you take – out of the following three, Matt Stafford in Detroit, Phillip Rivers with the Chargers, with the newly minted Redskin quarterback, Alex Smith. No, I'm not taking Alex Smith. I expect him to fall back. I like Matt Stafford. I'm certainly a fan of his. But you know me. I'm staying with Phillip Rivers. It's very simple. Touchdowns the last, gosh, I'll go last 10 years. Touchdowns. 28, 33, 29, 31, 32, 26, 27, 30, 28, and 34. I think the guy is super consistent. Most of your years there are over 4,000 yards. I know he throws a couple picks. I understand that. But I'll take him over Stafford. Uh, Smith isn't even in the ballpark. But I'll stay with Rivers. I think the Chargers are going to be very, very good this year. I think this is sort of their chance here to make a run at a Super Bowl. So I'll take Phillip Rivers. Yeah, very similar. Stafford last five years, 29, 22, 32, 24, and 29. He's great too. Including, yeah, yeah. including back-to-back years of only 10 interceptions. So he's even yes. seen the turnovers come That's down. So Stafford's there too. That's fair. Uh, question three, which handcuff running back? So this would be if the quote-unquote starter were to go down has the potential to be the best fantasy-producing running back out of these three. Latavius Murray, if Dalvin Cook goes down. Tevin Coleman, if Devonta Freeman goes down. Or Giovanni Bernard, if Joe Mixon goes down. I don't think Latavius Murray is very elusive. So if Dalvin Cook goes down, I think you're looking at like the Cedric Bensons of the world, Latavius Murray diving into the end zone. I like Giovanni Bernard a lot. I don't think he can carry the load as a three-down back. I know Tevin Coleman can. And I will say this, Scott, next offseason, one of the top three storylines right now is who's getting Tevin Coleman because he's a free agent, Indianapolis, Miami, however you want to look at it, somebody's grabbing Tevin Coleman next year. And I think he profiles as a three-down back. He's in the most explosive offense of all three of those. I'll take Coleman. How about Pittsburgh if they let Le'Veon Bell walk? Oh, my God. I mean, do you know? I'd buy a jersey. I'd buy a Coleman jersey. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm in every color jersey. Oh, my goodness. Question four. Which running back is most likely to regress out of these three? So had a big year last year, burst on the scene, potentially going to go backwards out of these three. Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Christian McCaffrey. Great question, but easy question. Alvin Kamara, you know, you look at what the Saints have done to their running backs. I mean, Drew Brees at home in that offense, they're going to pass to the running backs. So Kamara's floor with Ingram not there for four weeks is so incredibly high. I can't see that big a regression. I think he's as safe as they come. Christian McCaffrey, I actually like the C.J. Anderson signing. Because I think it keeps McCaffrey in his role. I'm convinced that you win championships by having people, as Belichick says, do their job. I think McCaffrey is a great early down option. He catches passes out of the backfield, screen passes, the whole thing. Let's not make him more than he is. He's not a 230-pound back, okay? So I think by having C.J. Anderson there, it just keeps Christian McCaffrey in his role, which is why I'm going to go Kareem Hunt. And listen, I was wrong about Kareem Hunt. He had a tremendous season, but he was incredibly efficient, crazy efficient. And in redraft or seasonal leagues, you should fade the prior year efficiency. We like efficiency in dynasty leagues because you want the player to be good, right? But to have a knee-jerk reaction when the ADP soar based off the prior Prior performance, I think Kareem Hunt is the one most likely to regress, mainly because I don't know how good Papa Holmes is going to be. So I'll take Hunt. Yeah, I was interested in your answer there. I'm with, I mean, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm with you on Hunt. I think Hunt is a guy that takes a step back this year as well. And question five every year for the past who knows how many years, the number one overall tight end has turned out to be Rob Gronkowski, healthy or not. He continues to produce. So which of the following three? most likely to surpass Gronkowski as the overall tight end one. Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, or could it be Evan Ingram? Well, it's not Evan Ingram because Odell Beckham Jr. is back, and he's the alpha dog there. And Saquon Barkley certainly is going to get fed touches. I don't know how efficient he'll be. You and I talk about that. We're in agreement. But he's going to be there as well. So Ingram's out. I feel like Ingram had a year last year that he can't even come close to matching this year. Travis Kelsey has a new quarterback. They also have Sammy Watkins. I think the answer is easy. It's Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is your guy. You nailed him last year. You predicted him very well. You locked in on him. And look at their receivers. You have Alshon Jeffrey, who had like nine touchdowns and 50 catches. Okay. You have Mike Wallace, who I like, who's basically Deshaun Jackson, Feast or Famine. And you have Nelson Aguilar, who is solid, but I don't think he's the second coming of, you know, the greatest wide receiver two in the history of the game. So I think Zach Ertz is your number one receiver. He's the number one receiver on a high octane offense that Peterson loves to throw the ball. You know, he went to the Super Bowl and he had Nick Foles become the only player in Super Bowl history to catch and throw a touchdown pass in the same game. So I'll take the number one option on the Super Bowl champions. I think it's Zach Ertz. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach Ertz, as well. And can can you see Zach Ertz being drafted even higher than possibly he should be because he's probably the number one overall option? Right now he's a tight end three. He's 34th overall. I mean, he's going behind guys like Diggs, Demarius Thomas, a Golden Tate. LaShawn McCoy, Larry Fitzgerald, could you see someone reaching for Zach Ertz in round two? I'll tell you right now, it's going to be very difficult for me, and we'll get into this in the fourth quarter coming up, to pass on Zach Ertz at the turn of the at the end of the second round, early third round at that turn. So I think by name, Scott, they go Rob Gronkowski first. I don't know if I would, and I think right now Zach Ertz is going third among those guys, and I think that's crazy. I think it would take a very savvy fantasy drafter to take Zach Ertz first or even second. I think name recognition for your average fantasy fan, Gronkowski-Kelski. 
Kelsey. Gronkowski, Kelsey. Gronkowski, who dances with no shirt on. Kelsey, who makes obscene gestures uh, on the uh, telecast while the referee is making a call. I think that's it. I just don't think Zach Ertz has the cachet for the average fan. I think it's a mistake. Yeah, nah, I'm with you. All right, my fourth quarter here, I want to talk a little bit about you know draft order. You know, a lot of people, as we get ready, as we head mid-July here, head towards the end of the month, turning the page into August, a lot of redraft leagues are starting to be renewed, reformed. The mock drafts are taking place, and, you know, people are trying to figure out what's the best slot to take. I wanted to see, ask you your opinion on how important actually is draft positioning. So, you know, is it worth having the number one overall pick or even a top three pick? Is that something that you would like to have? Do you think that's something that's actually beneficial in the long run? And then we're going to run through two leagues that I've been in, one for the past nine years, one for the past six years, and kind of tell you where the champion of these leagues wound up in the initial draft order. You know, so start with you. As far as draft positioning, how important is to you? And where would you prefer to draft? I have thought about this every year that you've roped me into doing fantasy football that now I'm an addict. I want the first pick. Anyone who says it is wrong, because how could you not want to pick first and pick whoever you want? I guess if you could guarantee that the guy you wanted was available in pick four, pick five, or pick six, it wouldn't really matter. But there's a risk there, isn't there? So I guess in my mind, you always want the first pick. I don't care about the pressure. You know, you can adapt and you can win it any way you want, but so much has to do with format and scoring and, and, and structure. But I've come around. I heard one guy go, how could you possibly not want the first pick? You can pick whoever you want. But in the end, I guess I want a pick partner where I'm going to get the guy I want. So wherever that is. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. I'm going to break this down for you. So this is my league for the past nine years. We're now entering the 10th season of my league coming up. And then my brother, who runs Yahoo League as well, has been going for six years. Similar formats, PPR, Stanford, 12th. 12 teams with the exception of one year in my league. It was an eight-team league way back when, but we'll note that. So in, we'll start with my league. Last year, 2017, your champion, oh, by the way, was the guy you're talking to. That's correct. Well done. Dra- drafted eighth overall. The w- champion of 2016 was 11th. 2015, eighth. 2014, 12th. 2013, sixth. 2012, ninth. 2011, this was the year of the eight-team league, fourth. The first time a top three pick, a uh, guy who had the top three pick won this league was in 2010, and they had the first overall pick. And then the first year of this league, 2009, seventh overall. So right there, you're looking at the first pick one time, and then everything else was fourth and up beyond, and the eighth pick was there twice, the seventh once, sixth once, ninth once. So... This, you know, the, for nine years, I mean, it's, it's a decent sample size. It's nine seasons. We've had in the top overall pick one at one time. And then you go to my brother's league real quick for six six years, fifth, tenth, twelfth, fifth, fifth, and tenth. Does that sample size do anything for you as far as looking at the first overall pick and saying, well, now if I'm in a 12-team league, I get number one. Now i got to wait to 24 and 25. Well, yeah, I'll get the one guy I want, but maybe the three or four guys that I wanted to target are all going to be gone next time I come around. This is fascinating data. What Nice job by you here. This is very interesting. Certainly, there seems to be a skew towards the middle or end pick. Here's my rationale for this. If you pick early while it's an advantage, you cannot bunk. Okay? The pressure on you getting it right is the highest as early as you pick. Why? Because once you get to the 8th, the 10th, and the 12th, 
I think your variance between those picks is a little bit less. I think it's easier, Scott, to find two picks in the top 18 than it is to find the one pick that doesn't bonk in the top 12. So that's my guess, without looking, is that probably there's some difficulty in getting that pick right. I mean, listen, suppose a few years ago you picked Le'Veon Bell, he gets injured. Suppose you picked David Johnson last year. You're just so behind the eight ball. So my guess in looking at this would be it's the fact of the variance and having to wait so more so far between your, your second and third picks. So it's interesting because the last rounds, it would certainly lead to believe, unless I'm picking there, that that would be an area that you could really score from. So it's it's great data, but I think it's that you have two picks and it's easier to sort of play it safe. You know, if I pick at the back end of a draft, let's say it's a half-point PPR, I'm looking Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, right? I mean, probably, partner, one of those backs will be a top 10 back, right? Pro- probably. I mean... So I think there's some safety there. Whereas if I pick first and Ezekiel Elliott gets, you know, starts, you know, God forbid, doing something illegal and is gone, that my second pick could be Mike Evans. <laughs> you yeah, know? no, so you're I, right. That's my guess, uh, you know. But again, if you nail it right, you nail it right. So it, it's very interesting. You, you hit it right with last year's first round pick in my league. We'll just use my league for example. David Johnson did go number one. So the injury that that's a killer. But again, I won this league with the eighth pick. Do you remember who I picked eighth overall? No idea. I don't remember. And I remember I won this league, Jordan Howard. And you could say I missed on Jordan Howard. I don't think you – see, that's my point. You didn't miss. What did he finish? RB13, RB14, right? So, yeah, I mean, so right around vari- So that's my point is the variance is is larger. So you can say you whiffed on him. You whiffed. He was RB13 or 14. Is that really a whiff? And who was your second pick? Do you remember? I don't know. I, I do, and I think we could say I whiffed on him also, or at least Amari Cooper. Uh, so, that's a tough one. Who was your third you pick? Know, you who's your, who's your, did you have, did you, you I, must have nailed I, something. I, right? you, I, you know what? I'm, I'm starting to figure out, trying to figure out how I won this thing. My third pick was Alshon Jeffrey. Really? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm running this back. Now, my fourth pick, Keenan Allen produced. Uh, that's a good one. Okay, so, so here's my point. Keenan Allen basically was a top three wide receiver, right? Top three, top four. Yep. So if I flip Keenan Allen, and your second pick, Amari Cooper, here's what you got. You 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 did it. That's exactly what happened. If you didn't have Keenan Allen do what he did, I think you'd be behind eight ball. But you basically nailed a top five wide receiver and roughly, Scott, an RB1, right? Roughly. Uh, you're right. And I think the two spots here that, as I look at this, that probably won me this league was Kareem Hunt round seven. That's a great pick. Absolutely. All right. Great pick. And Zach Ertz round ten. That's it. That's so it. That's, that's exactly right. Those yep. are the spots. And Philip Rivers was my quarterback one, and he was round eleven. So that's kind of where I went because there were some misses. There was some Martavis Bryant. There was a few other guys in there. Alshon Jeffrey, like we said, that we missed on. So yeah, I mean, and Marcus Mariota was my first quarterback taken round five. So yeah, this was. Um, now that I look back on this, this is, I'm even more impressed with my championship. So I'll pat myself on the back. But well, that's uh, that's what yeah. it is. That's exactly right. Your mid to late round picks were phenomenal. You nailed basically the tight end one or two, however you want to look at it, right? Somewhere around there at the back end of the draft. So that's a massive advantage. And you got Kareem Hunt and Jordan Howard. And Kareem Hunt at the beginning of the year was the RB1. And then at the end of the year basically was a top three RB. So you may, so that's the point. If you bonk early, you got to be a guy who gets Kareem Hunt, Zach Ertz. Has to be. Otherwise, you'll never make it. That's it right there. But Jordan Howard was sort of a, safe play. Jordan Howard yeah. was your Honda Accord, 
right? Like it, was, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. It kept you in the game and allowed you to expertly pick Kareem Hunt and Zacherts. And then on the flip side, the guy who drafted David Johnson, number one, his 24th and 25th, second and third round picks also bonked Brandon Cooks and Lamar Miller. That's so once you get that injury, what was his David what Johnson, was it, what was his record? Uh, his record was. Give me one second. I can get that for you. That's it. I mean, that's my point. He's he done. Fi- he finished seven and six. He did wow. make the playoffs. He wow. was he was fifth. He was a fifth seed in the playoffs. Wow. But um, yeah, that that's what happened. So kudos to him for making the playoffs after you know basically botching those first three picks. He's yeah. He's yeah. not. He's Scott. He's not getting to ten and four with that team. Is what I'm saying. You need it. No. You need a seven and six way to go. That's pretty much it. Wow. All right. One more thing I want to run by you and then we'll finish up here. So Scott Fishbowl tomorrow kicks off at 10 o'clock. I already have my pick locked and it's going to be Zeke Elliott, but I just want to run by you here and get your thoughts on what should, what should, you know I should do here. Just to go over the rules again, you're st- I'm starting 11 every week, one QB, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, but four flex positions. You can flex a quarterback. So it's a super flex league and you get basically six points for passing TD, minus four for interceptions, no interceptions. It's half point PPR. Yeah, it's a half point PPR, half point for a first down and tight end premium. So tight ends get an extra half point for the first down and extra half point for the reception. Here's my question. Uh, TJ Hernandez, great guy to follow four for four football on Twitter, put out result of some mocks. This is what we have right now. So take Zeke Elliott. My question to you is, in his example, Gronkowski went the middle of round two in Scott Fishbowl. Travis Kelsey went two picks before I would pick. And Ertz didn't go until the 10th pick of round three. So do you think uh, if Kelsey and Ertz are there, would you double up? And if so, when would you pick a quarterback? Because I can flex a QB, although the minus four for interceptions hurts, by the way. So... If I go running back with Zeke and two tight ends, I have to wait on quarterback because I, ha- I have to start three wide receivers. So I can't, you know, I'm going to have to nail two wide receivers with my next pick. And then I'm really picking late for QB. So we're looking at Andy Dalton. We're looking at, um, gosh, you know, uh, Blake Bortles, those sort of guys. So what would you do? Would you grab two tight ends or go one tight end and one quarterback or one tight end, one wide receiver? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit a couple episodes back, you know, where I presented to you if you would possibly go back-to-back tight end. You know, I'm, I'm kind of with you on Kelsey taking a little bit of a step back only because of the unknown in Pat Mahomes. So, you know, it's interesting as I look at this mock that that was put here. I mean, Gurley went one. You've already committed to Elliott at one, so we just kind of flipped those. He went three. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, Zach Ertz is there for you at 24 and 25. I, I think you have to take Zach Ertz okay. for the reasons we discussed okay. that he is, albeit a tight end, he is the top option in Philadelphia. Yep. I think, I think we're aware of that. And with the premium on tight ends and, and the ability to start multiple tight ends and you want to grab a guy because there are some good value tight ends later. But what I think is going to happen is once you take Earths or someone takes Kelsey and Earths, you're going to start to see a run on these tight ends maybe yeah. earlier than they need to be. Yep. So you don't want to you don't want to be stuck with a Ben Watson, I think, in a league like this. You know, maybe you, you know, could sit on a Jared Cook later on. But I, I think you want to target Earths as far as taking Earths and Kelsey if they're both there. Man, that, 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 that's a tough one because, you know, if you do that, you put yourself in a position where you're looking at a wide receiver that your top wide receiver could be possibly Doug Baldwin if he, if he slipped to you. Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju right. Smith, maybe <laughs> T.Y. Hilton, yes, who could yes. give you value if Andrew Luck is healthy. Yep. He could be a top guy if you're taking four. Yep. You know, 
I do think I am in agreement with you. If you did go back to back tight end, you need to then wait on your quarterback. Yep. And and hope that you can grab I don't know, a Derek Carr, Phil Rivers, a Matt Stafford yes. later on. Yes. Hope they fall down. Uh it's it, it's a tough one. Would I take both tight ends? Probably not. So let's say I, I go probably, Zeke I would Ertz. Take Ertz. Who, let's say I go Zeke and Ertz. Who are you because my the quarterback there, unless something goes nuts, I mean, there's Brady's there, okay? I mean, low interception guy, right? Uh, Carson Wentz could be there. Cam Newton could. Would you take a quarterback, or would you try to stick in a wide receiver? Then now remember, it's super flex. I can start two quarterbacks. <laughs> Brady's there. You know, it, it, it's intriguing in a super flex. If this is a regular league, I probably I would tell you no on a Brady. But Brady being there, it's intriguing. Carson Wentz is also very intriguing to me as well in that spot. But I would probably tell you to, to, to stick a wide receiver in there. Okay. If you could, you know. Would I you, mean, put, would you mod, take A.J. Green if he was there? I, I would. Okay. Uh, I, would ta- I would take A.J. Green. We're looking Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, A.J. Green, Doug Baldwin-esque area. Yeah, and you know I'm not a, Devont- a huge Devontae Adams guy there. Right. So if Doug Baldwin's available, that could be a guy you plug in. If it's between Baldwin and A.J. Green, I tell you, plug in A.J. Green. I think he's just consistent enough. I'm not an Andy Dalton guy, but – He's been able to produce with Andy Dalton year after year, so that would be probably the guy I'd plug in. And if you, if both of them are gone, then maybe I'd tell you to look running back and stack up there and then just roll the dice with the T.Y. Hiltons of the world and the Larry Fitzgeralds of the world and so forth. I really want you to tell me to wait on quarterback because what I want to do from what you told me is I want to go running back, wide receiver, tight end. That's really what I want to do. And then I want to come back, thins out very quickly. If I wait to round seven for quarterbacks, just just so you're aware, we're looking Philip Rivers, Alex Smith, Mitch Trubisky. Okay, I really would love to start running back, tight end, wide receiver, quarterback, wide receiver, and I'll tell you right now, man, I'm all over Derrick Henry because I think Derrick Henry is around a round five pick, and people are not going to pick him. If Derrick Henry falls to round five, you can take it to the bank. My start will be Zeke Elliott, Ertz, random wide receiver quarterback Derrick Henry and then I just got to find myself two other wide receivers yeah and, uh, you know, another interesting thing for me would be and not only in this league but in, in pretty much any league that we'll do and just go for it, I'm really curious to see where people are going to take Andrew Luck and yep. if people mm-hmm. are a believer that he's going to come back as I try to locate him here on your on this mock to see where he went in this mock draft god he went round five he went he went the last pit so it's let's see one two three four, the last pick in round five he went after Pat Mahomes, but before Ben Roethlisberger. Interesting, very interesting. Yeah. So that you know, listen, that I think that plays a lot into where, where um, you know quarterbacks can fall too. And you know, see a guy like a Matt Ryan's going after Mahomes. Yes, I like. I mean, Matt if you hey, listen, if you're a believer in a Tyrod Taylor type, you know, that's someone you wait on too. But yeah. from your from your lead standpoint here, I, I think if 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 Ertz is available for you. I think you have to go tight end wide receiver. Now I think everything changes if he's not. Oh, if he's not, then I'm. Think, if he's not, I'm probably going back to back uh, wide receivers. Yeah. And, so and, yeah, I mean, or maybe running back. Maybe at least one wide yeah. receiver and maybe a running. Yes, correct. And then that puts you in wait on tight end mode. Basically, and then I'm waiting on tight end mode. Like. I almost wish yeah. Scott he's not there because the decision's easier. It's easier, but the talent might not be as good. So it, it, it's one of those things. That, it. It's interesting. So uh, I wish you luck. Uh, Hopefully I'll be in a uh, Scott Fishbowl nine next year, getting the uh, sign up, getting an invite into that. But uh, you know, it's Cosmo Kramer division, right? That's what you're in. in the, in the yes, thing? Cosmo Kramer. I love Seinfeld. Very good. I, I will keep everybody updated on Twitter as well, and we'll see. I'll be agonizing as I go through these picks. Absolutely. 
Well, there you go, folks. Picking up the Blitz. You got us on Facebook. You got us on Twitter at P-U-T Blitz. You got my partner, S-C-O-T-557. Give him a follow. He's a great person. He interacts with you very quickly. And myself at Randall Rand. Follow us on the website. We're going to get our, our rankings up soon. RandallRand.com. Fantasy season is here. I can't wait. Zeke Elliott, come to Papa. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that, my friend. Enjoy that draft. <laughs>